Hello and welcome to the High Performance Business Solutions Podcast. This is Paul De La Garza, and thank you very much for joining. Today, uh, I'd like to introduce you to a gentleman that I have known now for quite some time, and yet this individual is of world renown. His name is Peter Cater. Now, this is quite of a different twist for us because typically, as you well known as a listener to our podcast, we typically have business leaders and we have individuals that are uh, opinion makers, if you will. This is a different approach considering that Peter Cater is a pianist composer who has been in the entertainment business and the composition business for decades. Uh, he is a Grammy winner. He recently won a Grammy for one of his recordings, and which we will talk about uh, here today. But what I want you to consider is that we are going to be approaching Peter from the standpoint of how he has had the utilization of some of the most wonderful music that he has composed and how it's touching the lives of people. And he's done some very unique and very, very innovative things. So please join me. It is my pleasure to welcome Peter Kater. Peter, good morning. Thank you so much for joining. Good morning, Paul. Thanks for having me on your program. It's my pleasure. So, Peter, first of all, um, first thing I want to ask you is you've been on tour as of late. You have been traveling throughout the world. Uh, good heavens. You have been to, where did you see? South Korea and you... you New York, LA, Yeah, pretty much all over. Well, not all over, but, you know, a few places. A few places. Come on, don't be modest. Tell, tell us, tell the listeners where have you been. Oh, in the last... Uh, Six weeks I was in South Korea for a couple concerts, then Hawaii for a while, and then New York for a show, and then LA, and then now I'm back in Boulder, Colorado. Wow. Now, Peter, your music, first of all, it's, it's internationally known, and your music is absolutely wonderful. From a personal perspective, I want you to know that, that and I've told you this before, it's a music that I find truly inspiring to the depths of my spirit you 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 manage to do some pretty amazing things with your music thank you uh, oh it is my pleasure and it's a very sincere observation i wanted to ask you um where does it come from <laughs> well i wish i had a really tangible answer for that because i'm not really a hundred percent sure where it comes from it just comes it's always been coming and uh it keeps coming and, but it has to do to some degree with how clear I am and how open I am to receiving it. So, um, how clear you are and how open you are. Yeah, it definitely makes a difference. Um, like you have to create space. I have to create space for the experience of being creative to happen. It doesn't just kind of happen um, if I'm so busy doing other things or if I'm distracted or if I'm preoccupied. You know, I have to really be present with myself, with who I'm with in the moment, um, with my instrument, with nature, with my family, whatever it is, you know. Mm -hmm. Being present, I think, would be the primary um, requirement. Okay. Do uh, you think that makes an impact in terms of how clear you are to receive such inspiration? Yeah, well, I think that, um, you know, people think that creativity, you know, oftentimes or spirituality is elsewhere, you know, it's like, you know, they have to go on, you know, vision quests, or they have to, you know, do different things to find creativity. I think creativity is everywhere. It's, you know, we just have to be present with where we are to really fully get a uh, 
in contact with it. And you think that applies to daily living? Totally for daily living. Whenever I talk about my creative process, I'm always realizing how much it actually applies just to life in general. Can you give an example of that? Because see, this is the connection that we have here. This is exactly what we're talking about. You want an example of what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I see people that frankly fail to be present. They're either in the past because of something that happened to them. They're living in the future because of what they want to achieve. And they miss out on the here and now. And it sounds like you have a very clear understanding in terms of what the here and now is about. Yeah, I think I have uh, more of an understanding maybe than some people do, but I think that everyone has uh, the innate desire, whether they realize it or not, to really be present and to really show up because being distracted and being elsewhere, being in the past or the future ultimately is not very satisfying. So um, I'll just kind of cut to the chase, I guess. Um, I have this, this theory or belief um, that authenticity heals, that authenticity is the first step towards getting anywhere. Um, and what I mean by authenticity is, is by just really being honest with yourself as to where you are at the moment, what you're feeling, what's going on. You know, like I can say right now, you know, authentically speaking, you know, we're having this interview and um, I'm trying to, trying to access that part of me that really knows what I'm talking about. But at the same time, um, I feel like it's so hard to really communicate it in, in a linear fashion, you know? Do you, do you um, think that's the reason why people uh, abandon authenticity because they, they have difficulty connecting with it? I think not so much as a difference. It's just that the other options are so available, you know, like so media. easy to do otherwise. Yeah, the media, you know, go shopping, you know, get something to eat, you know, just like uh, there's there's all kinds of things to, to distract us from really being in the moment. Um, I took years, it took years for me to be able to sit at the piano and not be in my head kind of judging what I'm doing or thinking about what I'm doing. It took me, you know, literally decades to go from, you know, feeling like uh I was connected with my music maybe 10% of the time during a concert to now where I feel like I'm connected to it like 90% of the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I've done lots of, uh, uh, I guess you could call it inner work, you know, lots of uh, presence type practices. It's taken me um, a while to really be able to drop in and really embrace myself for like where I am and, you know, have, have compassionate thoughts rather than critical thoughts. You know, it's just, do you know what I'm talking about? I think I do. And, and here's the, this is, this is interesting because this is the very segue that I really wanted to create in terms of how you take your creative process, which is in, in, immense and, and, and so profound in the way that you have expressed yourself through music and how the parallel for anybody that's listening to this, how the parallel could be made into just everyday daily living. The fact of the matter is that there are a lot of people within the business world that are constantly creating, either creating initiatives, creating products, creating um, dialogues, narratives, etc. And more often than not, we are compelled by the environment as opposed to by our own, to use the word that you just used, authenticity in our own pure creativity. And 
in my coaching, and I'm an executive coach, and I speak with a lot of leaders, we talk about that. We talk about how they can really be present. I gave them the example of the, the famous martial artist Bruce Lee. In an interview, they were, they were asking him, the, the press asked him, how is it that you ensure that you win every bout that you have? And he says, I never think about that. I have to be present. Otherwise, I will never, ever be able to actually have the victories. But what I always have, and I never waver from that, is the satisfaction that I have done my very best because I have been present at all times. Right. And this, this is what I think that you have achieved and that is reflective through your music. So what you're saying, yeah, I know perfectly well what you're, what you're saying. Yes. At least I intellectually understand it. Do I do it every day? No. No, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's, um, you can't really have an agenda necessarily. As an artist, as a human being, I don't think having an agenda really serves our, our purpose. I mean, we can have an agenda to, to be present and, and, uh, and just really show up, but to try to manipulate a situation for an outcome, I think is misguided, at least for me anyway. Um, creatively, um, in social situations, at my retreats, you know, you mentioned earlier when we were talking that uh, people have, you know, profound experiences, sometimes life-changing experiences at my retreats that I hold. But it's not because I'm trying to create that result. It's because I'm just inviting people just to drop in and be present with me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We use certain vehicles to do that. Like, obviously, music is a, is a really powerful vehicle for, for people to be present with especially instrumental music. Um, and I think especially my music because it comes from a very, a very loving, accepting, present place, you know? It's kind of invites you in just to relax and, and just feel, you know? But I never have an agenda. Um, and, and even though people give me feedback, you know, like I was lying under your piano and you were playing and this happened and that happened and I felt this and oh my God, I, I'm not trying to do anything. <laughs> I'm not trying to make anything happen. I'm just sitting there being real with myself, real with my feelings, present with them, and just playing the piano in a way that I feel is, is honest and respectful and honoring of the connection between myself and this person. How much of your creative process is based on trust? In other words, you see something, you, you, you 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 were you're, you're inspired by something that comes through, and you said that you, you you're no longer in your head. You, how how much of that is to say you know what I'm just going to allow that to flow through and it's going to make itself manifest in the music. How much of that do you so realize? Much. Yeah, so much is based on trust. I actually call it radical faith. You know, it's like I'm just going to trust and have faith that everything is exactly as it should be, and everything that happens is exactly what needs to happen, and everything that and I'm talking about in life and then personally and creatively, everything that I play is exactly what needs to be played, whether it includes a, a perceived error or not. You know, it's like it's all it's all perfect. And whatever happens is exactly what needs to happen. It's, it's authentic. Very good. Uh, first of all, I want to clarify something. You mentioned it. And that is when people are underneath your piano. And I, I want to clarify something. When Peter Cater has some of his concerts, he, one of the things that Peter Cater has done, which is, I think, extraordinary, he will play in venues that can command the presence of, you know, a thousand people, et cetera. 
But you'll also play, and this is I, this is the genius and the charm of what I think you're doing. You you will play in venues and private homes that will command 20, 30, 40, 50 people. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what Peter will do is he will invite people to lay underneath this absolutely typically he he selects his pianos and, and, and some of these wonderful instruments. And I've had the personal experience of actually, actually having done that. Um, how did that come about? When, when was the first time that you invited somebody to come in underneath your piano and say, feel the vibration of my music? What's that about? Well, again, that's something that just kind of happened because I remember I was holding some retreats on Maui and this was probably about 10, 12 years ago. And um, as part of the retreat, I would have the people come over to my house and I would play for them, you know, on my piano and in the you know, living room or music room, wherever the piano was. And people would, you know, sit on the floor around the piano and I'd be playing and then gradually people move closer and closer. <laughs> and finally they just, you know, someone got under the piano and I was like, wow. And it's of really their own volition? You didn't invite them? I didn't invite them, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you know, all the, all the most interesting and satisfying and fulfilling things in my life, I did not see coming. I didn't have on my radar. They just kind of happened. It's like Spontaneity, huh? Yeah, and I think that's also a result of being present. Like, if you're really present, then you attract other, other things, other opportunities, other people, you know, resonating at a similar, you know, frequency or... You know, it's it's about surrender. I mean, if you really want to attach some some words to it, for me, it's, the process is largely about surrender. Define surrender, if you would, please. Uh, surrender for me is admitting that I don't really know what's best. I don't really know the full picture. I don't really understand the whole thing. I don't, you know, we can say like, hey, you know, we're, li we're on this planet and this planet is, you know, revolving around the sun and it's rotating on its axis. So, you know, the sun is rising and setting or it's, you know, the earth is, you know, rotating away from this. We have all these, you know, concepts of gravity and all this stuff is like, but do I really understand any of it? Do I really understand why, you know, why water freezes at a certain temperature or evaporates at a certain temperature. It's like, we know that things happen and we put labels and numbers attached to it and we name them. But essentially, I believe that life is, it's, it's, it's a miracle. It's almost an unfathomable existence that we don't understand. And we've been trying to understand it for a millennium. You know, as far as I'm concerned, our understanding of reality right now is no more advanced than it was in ancient Egypt or in Greece with the Greek gods, we just keep on redefining it, retrying to understand it. And when I let go of needing to be in control or let go of thinking that I have some, some understanding, then I feel like it makes it easier for me just to be present and just be like, hey, I'm just here and I'm talking to you and, and I have things that I love to do and people that I love to be with and music that I love to play. And I don't attach a whole lot more to it than that. Does it bother you? Do you feel either insecure or angry or upset about the fact that you do not know all the things that you wish you did in the, pro in the process of surrender? No, I think it's exciting, actually, because the more that I go in that direction, the more I actually have this appreciation for life. And this, this I mean, I have an actual experience of like, oh, my God, this is incredible. You know? yeah, but you know, there's so many times that people will really yield to their ego 
And because of either self-esteem issues or because of the fact that there is an element of insecurity, uh, sometimes they will not accept that surrender and they will claim that they have a certain grasp of certain knowledge and so forth. Uh, and that's based on, as I mentioned to you, that element of fear of either not, not belonging, being rejected or something like that. How did you surpass that? Well, um, I think that we, we, exactly what you're saying is true, that we, we try to uh, believe in certain concepts and learn certain things so that we feel more secure yeah. in our lives. However, if we, I believe that if we choose to strip ourselves of those things, of those belief systems, like right now, I feel like I'm in the process of unlearning. You know, I was like, I'm unlearning things. It's like even, even insecurities and, and fears are learned behavior. Those are learned behavior like oh, childhood. For sure. Well said. We've been traumatized. And then we think all of a sudden it's unsafe to be in a relationship or go into the water. Or you know what I'm saying? It's like sure. We, sure. we hold on to them. We protect ourselves. I'm trying to unravel myself. I'm trying to unravel. And like, what happens if I, if I, just accept the fact that I really don't understand what's going on here. Or the ultimate existential question of like, what happens when we die? It's like, do we really know? Can we really know what happens? It's like, we, we don't. And I, I try to be authentic with those feelings. And when you are authentic with those feelings, what happens is, is the feeling changes. So how? Well, it, it just moves. If you're in denial of something, it stays stagnant. But if you look at it square in the face and, and you open up to it and you let yourself feel it, it shifts. It's like liberating. It is liberating. It's completely liberating. And it changes. And you don't know what it's going to change into. And usually the fear of something is much more intense than the actual reality of, of what that thing is. Do you know what I mean? I do. I, and, 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 and Peter, this is per, per, per precisely... One of the reasons that I have always appreciated your music because what you are saying to some degree is transmitted in the improvisational nature and quality of the music that you play. Now, let me, uh, folks, as you're listening, let me be clear. Peter Cater is an accomplished pianist from a conventional and structured, well-established level. Uh, he can play just about anything you, that, that you would ask or that he'd be compelled to, to play, anything from classical to jazz and so forth. But we're... Peter, where you have excelled is you have really presented such a fluid flow of inspiration that it, it's like, as I listen to your music, it, it takes me there. And I'll, I'll tell you, more often than not, when I am about to create a teaching program or something like that, I'll put your music in the background. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 And I will tell you folks that if you have not been introduced to Peter, Peter's music, I compel you, I ask you to please reach out to him. He's on iTunes. And from a creativity perspective, you will find that his music is going to actually be igniting of some of those creative qualities of which we are either directly or indirectly speaking about right now. So uh, it, it's huge, but what you're doing is huge. I want to I shift gears for a minute. You've taken this creative process and you have chosen to really step into retreats and to bring people for a period of two or three or four or five days 
uh, why? Why? <laughs> why did you decide to do that? Aside from the, uh, maybe it's a, the, there was a commercial aspect to it and so forth, but I don't believe that that was the real motive that no, you had I, behind it. What? Tell us about that. It started with me moving to uh, Maui, you know, Hawaii about 15 years ago. And I started to, I mean, Hawaii is an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's the farthest remote island from any major population base or major landmass. Um, and you can feel it when you're there. There's this sense of like, wow, all these things that I have believed my whole life are so important. I don't even know if they're real because you're kind of away from all those, those common thought forms that sort of that the, the agreement of this is what reality is and this is what's important. And all of a sudden you're out there mm -hmm. in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and all of a sudden those things become less solid. And so I was having these experiences of like, wow, I feel amazing. I feel like so connected with myself, with nature, with my friends. And, and I was having an experience. And I thought, wow. You, you discover another aspect of your perception of reality is what I hear you saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't, it wasn't subtle. It was pretty profound. And um, so I decided it'd be cool and interesting to see what would happen if I invited people to join me in that experience. Hmm. And, you know, using my music sort of as the main vehicle of attraction, but also it doesn't hurt to go to Hawaii. You know, it's like, that's a pretty awesome. <laughs> and then we would just do all my favorite things. You know, we go to my favorite beaches, we'd, we'd eat my favorite foods, we'd hire chefs and I'd play the piano for people. I'd have like, you know, my, my friends who were musicians come in as guest musicians and play as well. I'd have people lie under the piano. And I noticed that people were having these openings and these like really, really amazing, profound experiences and having friendships after only a few days that have carried on, you know, for years afterwards, you know, it's like mm -hmm. bonding experiences. So that's how it started in Hawaii. And then um, and I do those retreats every year in the winter when the humpback whales are in, because I love the humpback whales and we paddleboard or kayak out to the whales and getting close to their proximity. And there's something about being in proximity of a 50 foot long humpback whale that, you know. Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> Imposing it to, to say the least. It's life changing. And, um, and then I do those, I have one coming up this, uh, this February, the last week of February. And then I was doing a concert in Kalispell, Montana, of all places, and they put me up at a ranch called the Dancing Spirit Ranch in Montana, which is about a half hour south of Canada, right by Glacier National Park. And I, and I arrived there at night at this ranch. It was cold, and I was kind of like not so happy because I was coming in from Hawaii. And in the morning, I woke up, and I had this most amazing feeling about the land there. It was just, it was just incredible. And so I thought, looked to what you were experiencing in Hawaii? It was different. It was different, but but just as deep and wow. I mean, beautiful. You know, like just uh, something so special about that property. You know, it's like 300 acres with like you know forests and ponds and rivers and right. you know they even brought in some sacred geometry from Scotland and Ireland and they you know built these stone monoliths and you know it's just like it's very profound actually. And so I started holding retreats there as well. Completely different kind of thing because um, it's not the ocean and it's not warm and it's not Hawaii. You know, it's like, but sure. it's like earthy and rooted and deep and it's very nature. and either yeah. different two interpretations of nature. Yeah, almost but the, compelled by the same, perhaps yeah. the same result. 
Yeah, again, not aiming for results. I'm aiming, I'm aiming for an experience in the moment. And, mm-hmm. um, and I just love them. It, it has become my favorite part of my creative expression in terms of like how I present it to the world. Because not only is it, um, well, I mean, the main thing is that it's super intimate. It's just super intimate. It's one thing to go do a concert for 50, 100, 1,000, a few thousand people that you're sharing a couple of hours with. It's sweet, beautiful, I love it. It's another thing to say, I'm gonna hang out with these people, these 10, 20 people for a week and do everything with them for an entire week. I'm gonna have all my meals together. We're gonna do all this, this, you know, getting to know each other processes together. We're gonna listen to music together. We're gonna have fire circles. We're gonna, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. And it's like, after, 48 hours you're like oh my god i can't even believe it's we're only on the second day because i feel like <laughs> i've known you for so long and we've had this this beautiful time and i feel so comfortable you know it's it's amazing i have to really say it's amazing because again i'm not trying to make anything happen other than what would be fun to do right now what what would feel really good right now you know okay, and, but I, I know that you're not trying to do something specific, but 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 I've got to believe, and especially based on what you have described, is the 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 byproduct of some of some of these experiences. What do you think is the experience that the people that have attended your retreats, when they go back to the normal, shall we say, routine? Is it your understanding that they approach now their lives a little differently? considerably differently what what has been the feedback that you have been getting relative to that that's what i hear i you know i do hear that they you know they go back with a, a, a different awareness or a different sense of priorities and you know with more fullness with more presence with more self-love and acceptance i mean like you're saying it's it's not that i don't have something in mind i just don't have the goal in mind what i have in mind at the moment is is holding holding true and very close to what I believe is reality and, and truth, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's all about what's the most honest expression that I can convey in that moment. You know, it's like, if I hit one note, I'm not just hitting a note, I'm putting into that note, everything that I understand as being myself, my reality of the moment. It's like, you know, you know what I mean? It's, I think I do. And, and I, I would not profess to have the same understanding based on the experience that you have had in your life that you do from this, from, from that perspective. But I, I believe that I have at least intellectually an understanding of that. And on occasion, I have really profoundly experienced it. Let me ask you a question. Uh, today, uh, we have school districts that in the process of budgetary sensitivities or cutting programs. And one of the programs that, is, that, that, that really are suffering from this is the music programs. We have found that to some extent, um, and, and I think that this is either anecdotal or empirical data that the academic achievement of people, of the students has actually diminished as a result of the reduction of some of these music programs. How do you think music impacts the overall well-being of people? And, and perhaps this is a question that people would say, oh God, this is, it, it's, it's huge. What's your take on that? Yeah, I agree. It's huge. And it's huge because, you know, they've done studies where people that play musical instruments have much more 
happening between their right and their left brain. There's more interconnectivity going on in their, in their neurotransmitters. You know what I mean? There's like, there's more integration. There's more crosstalk between the two hemispheres. And um, I'm not a very scientifically minded person, but I do understand that uh, for people to, you know, learn how to play an instrument, learn how to uh, feel, um, you know, uh, a creative expression coming through their body is a form of intelligence and is a form of integration mm-hmm. that can make a huge difference in your life. For example, my son, I have a 15 year old son who has been playing guitar, you know, for the last uh, five or six years. And um, I'm really happy he's playing guitar and he actually, he's actually pretty talented. Um, and I'm <laughs> glad that he's doing it. <laughs> but he's like, he's like, uh, uh, he, he thinks he, at this point that he wants to be a professional musician, you know, when he grows up. And it's like, I'm not trying to discourage him, but also not trying to encourage him because it's actually not an easy road to... Uh, uh, God knows you can be a, a play testament to that for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I probably make it look easy to him. But back to your question. Um, yeah, I think it's extremely important. And uh, I'm actually recently, I've become a spokesperson for... Uh, very large uh, organization in China actually uh, that uh, what they are a music education company for kids and they have uh, well over 5,000 piano students and uh, so I'm kind of like their spokesperson to really wow enforce how important music is for children and uh, obviously you know in this country we've you know kind of strayed in terms of some basic priorities and values I think but uh, hopefully they'll come back around you're touching a number of things. Peter Cater, the musical renaissance man. Interesting. Well, Peter, we've covered a lot in a very small period of time. We sure have. And I hope that it's applicable towards your audience. Of- Good heavens. I cannot imagine that being applicable because I think that, you know, for those people that don't have the luxury or the ability to go into one of your retreats and so forth, I think that if you take anything from today's yeah. exchange, folks, is how important it is to just simply sometimes step outside of your normal routine and just be. Can I, can I say something? Um, Please, of course. This to further define what authenticity is. Authenticity is often awkward. It's not necessarily something that you can ever really feel like a lot of confidence in because it's not easy sometimes to really be authentic. Like for example, if I'm on stage and, you know, I've been doing this my whole life, but I still get nervous, you know, depending on the situation. <laughs> so if I go on stage and I'm feeling really nervous, say it's an audience I've never played before, or it's a location that I feel weird in, or it's a country I've never been to, it doesn't serve me to pretend that I'm confident and this doesn't phase me at all. It doesn't serve me to put on an air that isn't really authentic and true. Right. right? So what I do is I'll be like, you know, I'll at least admit to myself and oftentimes to the audience, feeling a little nervous right now, you know, <laughs> just, and just say what it is. Because as soon as I say what it is, it changes and it shifts. Yeah. yeah. If you're in a relationship and you have to talk to someone about your feelings that feels like awkward and it feels exposing and vulnerable, it's not going to be easy, you know? And, and you got to say, hey, this is really hard for me to talk about because I feel super exposed and vulnerable and I, I feel insecure, almost embarrassed for what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling this. And as soon as you say it, it changes. You know what I like about what you just said? 
it also brings into focus the real situation that you can address because as long as we are not admitting that to ourselves we are completely detached from whatever it is that may be challenging us but when we own it when we have said you know what i'm, I'm really concerned about this or there's an element of fear or there's an element of uh, worry or whatever that emotion may be that authenticity it really puts us in, in, in direct perspective and direct connection with what it is that we're experiencing and also if there's an there's a solution to be applied it's by far much more direct than when we go into denial and we only perpetuate the situation indefinitely yeah, definitely peter you are your salt of the earth my friend thank you so very much um folks i in again encourage you you can find peter in itunes you can find peter just just google the man i just you know in preparation for this uh i wanted to see what you were doing the, the latest thing you want to tell real quick what's your latest recording wings, wings. very good very good yeah it's uh number it was number one amazon bestseller number two on the billboard new age chart Top 10 iTunes. Um, it, it's, it's a beautiful album, I have to admit. Peter Cater, you're a gentleman. You are a credit to yourself and to all of us. Thank you so much for the contributions you've made. Uh, folks, I hope that you'll be able to apply uh, some of the things that we've discussed to your daily living today. This is Paul DeLaGarza with High Performance Business Solutions and our Coaching on the Go podcast series. I want to thank you for your time. And uh, take care and be well. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And if you are on iTunes, please leave us a review. Take care and be well.